Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yes, to hasten, just to help us understand, to hasten means that we're coming to his throne. We're coming to the king of kings and saying, I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions. And his throne means that God is not a cruel God. He's not a distant God. He's a God who promises good for his people. He's He's a God who's made us and knows us. He knows what's best for us. And that means we come into loving submission to him because he knows what's best for us because he's made us. So we can trust him. We can trust him. And so today, uh, we're, we're going to be looking at a text that's related to the scripture. It's Psalm 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that in a minute. In a moment, we're going to stand and read that. But as, as, a, as a, just as an understanding of, of how this works, as, as your leaders bring your, the word to you each Sunday, what, um, a number of my seminary professors and a number of just great instructing books on how to prepare for preaching tell us, we are the first recipients of the sermon. We are the first recipients of the sermon. And so I've been going through the Psalms very slowly. There's 150 Psalms, and so I'm going through the Psalms very slowly over the summer, reading it the same one morning and evening, allowing it to just sink in, to take deeply what it's, what it's saying. And, and what it's saying a number of times is that, and again, another seminary professor said, what we have to do is remember that leaders have to prepare their people to suffer well. Because suffering is coming. Maybe you're in a season of blessing. Maybe you're in a season of strength. Or maybe you're in that deep valley right now. But it's coming. Trouble is coming. And so what do we do in these moments? And so what I want you to understand is that a lot of this, what this sermon flows out of is what God has first had to say to me. To me. And so when we think about trouble, I want you to think about a couple of things. First of all, maybe there's a situation in your life, maybe it's, it's a health concern, maybe it's a financial concern, and you're just hoping that it goes away. You don't want to deal with it, you don't want to address it, right? You hope it goes away. Accountability, right now, I'm experiencing some lower back pain, right? And I had a, 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 my back went out uh, a, number of, a number of weeks ago. Like, it, it's always the silly thing, right? It's bending down to help my daughter put, take an earring out of her ear, and then I fall over and I can't get up, right? Later, I'm like, I've fallen and I can't get up, right? And it's like a two or three days of lying in bed, not being able to move. And I can feel that that pain is, is there. Not as bad, but I can feel it's there. And I'm like, it'll go away. It will go away. It will sort itself out, right? And you know, when it comes to our health, right, something left unchecked can make, can make far worse problems for you later. Far worse problems. So maybe you're in that season right now. Maybe there's something in your life. It's a, it's a little pain or a little struggle. And you're just like, I hope it goes away. Maybe it'll just go away. Maybe it's a conversation you need to have with a friend, right? You see that they're doing something that's bothering you or hurting others. And you're like, well, it'll sort itself out. It will go away. I, it, it, it'll be fine. And you watch as your relationship with them deteriorates. You watch as they make worse and worse decisions. You watch as they get themselves into more and more trouble. You see, we live in a culture that tells us we should avoid trouble and struggle at all cost. Push it away. Don't deal with it. Deny it. Avoid it. Avoid any difficult situations. Don't be around difficult people, right? We live in this this situation where like, if someone is a problem, you cancel them, you get rid of them. Right? A situation that's a problem, you avoid it, you, you run away. We live in a culture that doesn't want to deal with trouble, that doesn't want to address trouble, that wants to pretend it's not there, that it wants us to go away. But God has a different agenda. 
God has a different agenda. Again, I've been reading through the Psalms and the prayers. What I, what I love about the Psalms is that they are these very honest prayers from God's people. They don't pull punches. They don't avoid the issues. And they have much to teach us. And so what I want us to consider is maybe there's that difficult situation going on in your life right now. Maybe there's that difficult relationship. Maybe there's a difficult conversation that you're trying to avoid. And what God wants to teach us today is he's trying to reveal some things to us through the trouble. Through the trouble. Instead of avoiding from the trouble and running from the trouble or putting our head in the sand and hoping it goes away, God wants to teach us things in the midst of our trouble. And so another practice that we have is we stand as the word of God is read because we believe that if nothing else happens today, God is addressing us from his word. Revival has happened in the scripture simply because the people of God stood and listened to the word of God. Prioritize the word of God. And so we are going to look today at Psalm 6, verses 1 to 9. They'll be up on the screen for us if you'd like to follow along as I read them for us. Psalm 6, starting in verse 1, says, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail me because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. This is the word of God. You may be seated. And so what we're going to learn today, and again, the warning for us today is if we don't listen to what God has for us today, we'll continue to experience the same troubles again and again and not learn the lessons that God has for us in the midst of what he's doing in our troubles. In our troubles. Now, this is not to say these are the only lessons that God wants to teach us in the midst of our troubles, but this psalm has some things to tell us about categories and ideas, things that can help us hear the voice of God, see the hand of God in the midst of our troubles. So, what does trouble reveal? What does trouble reveal? Well, the first thing it reveals to us is it reveals our limitations. Trouble reveals our limitations. It reveals I'm not always strong. I'm not always okay. I don't have all the answers. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick in heart. I am worn out. My eyes are weary and weak. I don't know always what to do. I don't always see clearly. I don't have all the answers. I'm not always strong. I'm not always well. Now again, this might seem obvious for us, but we live in a culture that always tells us to have our best face forward. You never see people's train wrecks on Instagram and Facebook. No one is, no one is hashtagging worst life now, right? It's always best life now, right? 
Best parenting decision, best vacation. No one is telling you about the train wreck that gets you to the vacation, right? No one is telling you about the awful conversations that they've had to have this week. No one is putting that out there because we always want to pretend that everything is good. And, our, and what it reminds us of in these moments, trouble reminds us, I have limitations. I have issues. Troubles and struggles confront us with our limitations. My strength, my wisdom, my health are limited. I don't see clearly all the time. I don't know everything. I'm not strong enough all the time. And we have to accept this. We have to accept this. See, Pastor Edwin, a number of years ago, reminded us in the sermon, all the things that God never said, things that we thought God said, but he never said. And a lot of us live with this mindset because this is a worldview. We leave this place and this is what we're told. Even by Christians, even by t-shirts, right? You know, and I know what people are trying to communicate. You know, it's like you leave and you get on the subway and someone has the t-shirt, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And I was like, no, you can be blessed and stressed, right? You can be blessed and stressed. Or God, someone says, you know, I, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's just not true. Because if God would never give us more than we can handle, we'd never need him. We'd never need him. So God is regularly going to give us more than we can handle to remind us that we're not him. That we're not him. One of my favorite Bible teachers, Paul Tripp, says, the problem with humanity is that we forget the first three words of Scripture. In the beginning, God. God. We are not him. And so trouble reminds us that I'm not always strong, that I'm not always good, that I don't have all the answers, that I can't see clearly. It's reminding us of this again and again and again. But we're told again and again and again by the culture, we leave this place, follow your dreams, live for you, don't let anyone get in the way of what you want. Right? We live, with this, live without inhibitions, live without restrictions. But if my daughter came to me and told me that she wanted to learn to fly, and I don't mean with an airplane, that literally she thought that she could fly, and she wanted me to take her to the Grand Canyon and take her to the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, Dad, I'm going to do this. And I told her, you can do whatever you put your mind to. I would not be loving my daughter. Because she has limitations. She has limitations. And I have limitations. And so confronting us in those moments of trouble is a reminder, I have limitations. I have limitations. I have to accept those limitations. We don't like accepting limitations because we don't like thinking there's things I can't do. Things I can't do. Right? It's like all the things that we try to do and end up making a mess of the situation because we don't have the know-how, the wisdom, the understanding, the support in front of us or beside us to step in, and we move beyond our limitations and we end up in trouble. God wants to remind us, I'm restricting you, not because I'm trying to hold you back from things, it's because I'm trying to care for you by reminding of what you can't do. You are weak. You are not always strong. You don't have all the answers. And that's okay. That's okay. What this text is reminding, and it gets stark honesty. I've come to the end of myself, God. I've come to the end of myself. 
And it's in coming to the end of myself that we often meet God, that we meet him. So what might trouble be you you facing today? What kind of trouble are you facing today? And what might God be teaching us about our limitations in those moments? I don't have the answers. It's difficult for us, again, to think about these moments because, again, we want to provide the solutions. We want to do the right thing. We want to move forward, but we are restricted. We don't have everything we need in those moments. That person that you're trying to change. You can't change anybody. The difficulty of us in humanity is watching people around us struggle and know that the only thing that I truly can do to help them is put them in the hands of God. I can't change anybody. We'll get there. We'll get there. There are some things that you don't understand. There are some things that you can't control. What are these troubles trying to teach us about our limitations? About our limitations. God loves us too much to let us try to live without him. This is the nature of sin. Trying to live life without God. Trouble has a way of confronting our limitations. Second, though, trouble reveals what I trust. What I trust. Or who I trust. When trouble comes, where do I go? Or who do I go to? Right? Pain sometimes helps me remember and understand where are the wells I'm drawing from in the moments of trouble. Right? Money. Do I try and buy myself happiness, right? I'm in trouble, I'm in distress, and so I have to go to the store to buy something to make me feel better, right? Do I trust God as long as I'm healthy? I'll trust you, God, when my health is good, but when my health is good, I won't trust you. What I'm really saying is I trust my health. I trust my wisdom. As long as I have life all figured out, then I'll trust you, God. But when life doesn't seem to make sense anymore, then God, I don't trust you anymore. What I'm really saying is I trust my wisdom. I trust what I understand. Do I trust my friends? My friends have to be there for me. My friends have to have the answers. My friends need to be there to my shoulder to climb. And these, again, these are not bad things. Is money a bad thing? Is our health a bad thing? Is wisdom a bad thing? No, but when we put all our weight on those things and assume that they're going to get us out of the trouble, they will let us down. Our friends are not always going to be there. Our friends are not always going to have the right answer. In our moments of trouble, even well-meaning friends, I've been there, there are moments right now, just to pause, going through very difficult family stuff right now. And you put yourself out there. I need help. I need wisdom. I need insight. I need care. I need comfort. And your friends and come at you with buckshot of ideas and buckshot of understanding. Just blasting you with, do this, do that, do this, do that. And this is what Job's friends did. The great thing that Job's friends did in that moment is they sat silent with him and let him weep. Because they didn't know how to answer. And they start opening their mouth. And again, just to help us understand biblically, it's not that Job's friends were saying wrong things. They were saying right things at the wrong time. 
Lots of people will say right things to you, but right things to you at the wrong time. It's not that what you're saying is bad or wrong. I just don't need to hear that right now. So our friends, trouble will reveal what I hope in. I need my friend to somehow just give me this sage wisdom that's going to get me out of my trouble. And God's like, I'm not there yet. I want you to sit with this for a minute. Or they're not going to be there. They're not going to answer their phone. They're not going to respond to the text. They're not going to go to the email. They're not going to show up for you. And what's that going to say about where my trust is? Food. When trouble comes, do I eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat? Is that my solution to my trouble? Is it sex? Is it the hookup, right? I'll feel better when I find that person that makes me feel good about myself again, right? That makes me feel wanted. Some of us, again, in recovery, it's the drugs and the alcohol. You know, you know, you've tried that, you've done that. Maybe the next time it'll be better. The next time, the next time, the next time. Trouble reminds us what I trust in when the chips are down. Where do I go? What do I trust in? As As a humorous way of understanding this, again, and to think about what's happening in this, The the scriptures again, Psalm 6, I'm worn out, right? I'm spent, I'm struggling. I've tried all these other things. I've looked to all these other ideas and counsel and they're left me wanting. But humorously, just understand, maybe some of you don't have this situation, but for me, this is what happens in the summer, right? It's like lemonade, right? I I love lemonade, but for me, I drink lemonade and I wind up more thirsty. It dries your mouth out right? It's this weird summer drink that makes you more thirsty, right? Now, you know why the lemonade stand comes out. It's because they're going to get your money, right? They're going to get your money. But you drink the lemonade, and then it dries your mouth out, and you got to drink more lemonade, or you could have a glass of water with the lemonade because it makes you thirsty. You understand. It just looks like this vicious cycle. <laughs> summer comes, I drink lemonade, I wind up more thirsty, I drink more lemonade, or I drink more water, and it's just like this never-ending cycle. This is what's happening in our life. It's this vicious cycle of trying to go to something that we think will satisfy that will never satisfy. Trouble reveals where my trust is. Jeremiah 2, 13, as Pastor Gus and I were talking earlier, and just he's reading through Jeremiah, and Jeremiah reminds his people again and again, and as a reminder to Jeremiah that his, that his, his life is going to model something for the people of God, and he reminds the people of this in such a stark way in Jeremiah 2.13. He says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They have forsaken where true hope is and settled for broken solutions. They have forsaken where true hope is and have settled for broken solutions. Trouble has a way of confronting us of where we go in trouble. What do I trust in? What do I hope in? We forsake God. We deny him. We run for him and settle for broken solutions. I love the way C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia series, he says it this way. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Trouble has a way 
of confronting us about where we go in trouble. Who do we go to? I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenched my tears. I'm not okay. I'm fed up. I've come to the end of myself. There's nowhere else to turn. There's nothing else I can trust in. I've tried all these other things. God, where is it I can go for help? And God is like, now you're ready. Now you're ready. You've tried these other things. You've gone to these other ideas. You've gone to that well again and again, and it hasn't worked. Now we're ready for a conversation. Now we're ready. I'm not okay. I'm fed up. I'm worn out. I'm done. I'm undone. I'm spent. I'm at the end of my rope. Are you there? Are you there? Because when you get there, God says, now you're ready to meet me. Now you're ready to meet me. Because here's the thing. The question for us again in that moment is, do I trust what God gives or do I trust God? I love what one of the singers said last week. He said, often we find ourselves in a situation where we're more in love with God's hand than God's face. I love God for what he gives to me instead of loving God for who he is. I love God because of what he gives me, right? I will love God when he gives me the job. I will love God when he gives me the spouse. I will love God when he fixes the situation. I will love God when he fixes my health. I will love God when he fixes my financial situation. I will love God when this marital situation sorts itself out. And God's like, no, you need to love me even if I don't give you those things. Because even if I don't give you those things, I'm still good. I'm still good. We can come and find ourselves thinking and believing that I need God to get me out of the trouble. And God is trying to teach me through the trouble. I think that God needs to get me out of the trouble and then I will trust him. And God's like, no, no, I'm trying to teach you in the midst of it. And I can't let you just jump out of it and miss the lesson that's going to help you in the long term by settling for the short-term gain that you think you need, that I think I need. What trouble reveals is what I trust in. So what do I trust in in trouble? A question for us to consider. Do I trust God only when my health is good, when my relationships are good, when my finances are good? Am I only trusting God because of what I think he needs to give me? Or am I trusting God because of who he is? Who he is. And the last thing is trouble reveals then where hope is found. Where hope is found. Trouble reveals where hope is found. A number of times in the text, verse 9, 8 and 9. Go away all who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. Earlier in the text in Psalm 6, verse 4, he also says this, Return, O Lord, deliver me. Save me for your mercy's sake. Hope reveals, trouble reveals where hope is found. Where hope is found. When I come to the end of myself, when I've tried all the other wells, when I've gone to all the other ideas and I'm left wanting, God is like, now you're ready to meet me where hope is found. And this is what Christianity really teaches us. 
This is the center of the Christian faith is this. Because again, it says in verse 9, the Lord has heard my plea, the Lord will answer my prayer. This is what Christianity teaches us. Jesus is the answer to our prayer. Jesus is the answer to our prayer. Trouble often reminds us that we're coming to the end of ourselves, and when we come to the end of ourselves, we meet Jesus. We meet Jesus. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus came to earth to walk among us, to understand our struggle, to understand our limitations, to understand our concerns, to to see and smell and know the human experience, to lose friends, to watch people deny him, to reject him, to ridicule him, to face all kinds of trouble, to know hunger, to know tight, deep tiredness, to fall asleep in a boat that's being tossed around in the waves because he's dead tired. He was still human, though fully God. He understands the trouble that we've experienced. So God is not distant. He's not way over here. Hey, you're experiencing this trouble. Have fun with that. God says, I'm so committed to understanding and caring for your trouble, I'm willing to step into it. To step into it. Jesus was the answer to our call for help. He cares so much about us in our struggle that he steps into it. But he didn't just step in to understand. He steps in to overcome. To overcome our trouble. He went to a cross and took the pain for our trouble. For our sin. That by believing in his suffering and death, we have a resurrection. And again, the reminder of this. The hope we have in Jesus is knowing that the trouble we experience in life is not the last word. The trouble that we're experiencing as Christians is not the last word. The resurrection is the reminder that one day, no more trouble, no more suffering, no more pain, no more worry, no more sickness. The resurrection, the empty tomb, is the reminder that the deep answer to our call for help has been met in the death and resurrection of Jesus. A God who understands our trouble and who overcomes them. Overcomes them. But to know this, to know this, we have to accept all the way back to verse 1. Verse 1 says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. That's the New King James. And what that means is we need to understand that God brings conviction to bring us to him. You see, there's lots of people in life, again, they want to tell us what we want to hear, but they don't tell us what we need to know. What a lot of people is they don't want to offend us or bother us or tell us things we need to know in trouble. In trouble, we need to know that if you jump off that cliff, you're going to die. You don't have wings. You can believe all you want that you can fly, but if you jump off that Grand Canyon, you're jumping to your death. And that's not, con- that's not condemning or judging someone. That's caring for them. We live in a culture that just wants to say, you do you, you do you, do you. And some of that is to our destruction. 
We're confronted by God because He cares for us. Trouble is reminded that you have limitations because God cares for us. And so it's conviction, not shame. It's conviction, not judgment, because He cares. We have to accept that Jesus is the answer to our solutions because we can't be. We can't be the solution to our problems. If Jesus, if, if we could be the answer to our problems, then Jesus didn't need to come. Jesus had to be the answer to our problems that we could not fix, that we could not address. And so it's admitting, if we want to find hope in God, it's admitting, I can't fix myself. I can't change myself. I have a problem. I am the problem. The only person that I can change is through the power of God, me. I'm responsible for me. And so he came to save us by showing us he loves us, by reminding us of our limitations, by reminding us that these things will never satisfy or change or address the deep longings of our heart, the deep issues that we need to face, but that Jesus can and will. He can and will. When no one else understands, God does. When we are lying in our bed crying, I don't know what to do. I don't know how this will go. I'm not sure what to say. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. The beauty is the Holy Spirit will groan words we can't even express because God promises to do things in us we can't imagine, to change us and to teach us and to guide us. Trouble reveals. It reveals our limitations. It reveals where our hope is found. And so the invitation from God is, are you going to hope in me? Are you going to listen to me in trouble? I'm speaking again and again, being reminded in the Psalms. This is what God keeps telling me. I'm speaking. Are you listening? I'm speaking. Are you listening? And so in trouble, he's speaking are we listening? And what is he saying to us to care for us? Trouble is not because God doesn't love us. It's because he does and wants us to know him and be more like him and walk with him. Trouble reveals. Are we listening and are we watching for the voice of God? Let's pray together. Jesus, Jesus, we need you. We need you. Trouble has a way of confronting us. And I pray whatever trouble folks are in today, Father, first off, it's okay to become undone in those moments. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend that we're okay. We don't have to pretend that we have it all together. We don't have to pretend that we, we're okay in these moments when we're not. Because you already know. You already know. You want us to be honest about our limitations, about our struggles, about our concerns, about our worries, about our cares and our situations. You want us to be honest. But you want us to go to the right place for help. 
And Jesus, you are that answer to our deep longing to understand us deeply and to promise help and hope in the midst of our trouble and promise that we will overcome them in you, in you. So Jesus, whatever trouble people have come into today, with today, I pray that they find you in them, hear you in them, see you in them. We love you and thank you, Jesus, that we are not cast off because of our limitations. You came for people that admitted they were sick, that know that they're sick, that know that they're not well, that know they need a physician. And Jesus, you are that physician for our souls. Help us now. Teach us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.